Visit RTI on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Welcome to Radio Taiwan International. I am Natalie. So, up this hour, we have some intriguing sounds for you on Ear to the Ground, brought to you by Andrew Ryan, and also some enchanting music from Taiwan on J-Bells and Bamboo Pipes. But first, join us for Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. It's Wednesday, December 11th, and in the studio we have Jake Chen. Hello. Paula Chow. Hello. And I am Natalie So. We'll be telling you how Boba is doing in Japan. It's doing pretty well. We'll be telling you why. And also, Taipei 101 has a big science display on its building. We'll be telling you about that. And also how some students invented a way to discern counterfeit wine. Also, a Taiwanese swimmer to watch. Those stories and more coming right up. Okay, so boba tea has caught on around the world. And now we have some news from Japan. Tell us about this, Paula. Right. Actually, the Japanese have the new verb. It's called um, taipuru. Uh, taipuru means um, the, the action to drink uh, bubble tea. Uh, bubble tea. It's yes. actually drinking and eating right. at the same time, right? Yes. Taipuru? Taipuru. Oh, right. how fun. Now it's we really know interesting. To... One of the top 10 new words this year. Oh, wow. Right. We it, don't even have a word for that. We don't have a word. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we don't have a, a, a verb, right? A verb, yeah. So we should start that. using that verb. Right. It's really interesting because uh, last week, um, a group of uh, high school students from Japan visited Taiwan and along with their teachers, they visited Taiwan for four days. And they also, you know, of course, they went to the presidential office as the as a tour guide was giving them um, a tour to show them around the presidential office. The president, President Tsai Ing-wen, appeared all of a sudden. Right. It, it was a, actually a big surprise, um, you know, for these students. And then the president say hello to these Japanese students in Japanese. Hmm. Right. And then she um, says something in Chinese. She said, I'm President Tsai Ing-wen. This is my office. And the president also asked Japanese students, have you had the pearl milk tea? Oh, she said that? Ch- That's what she said. <laughs> right. That's what she asked, asked him. Right, and so and so some Japanese students, you know, Japanese students are really happy. That, uh, you know, one student said uh, she, she was really surprised that she didn't expect to see, uh, to meet the president in person. And then there's another student that she thought that well, it's just a quick tour; it will end pretty soon. And surprisingly, you know, the president showed up. And then there was another student. She actually shook hands with the president. She said, "Well." The president came, you know, it's a it's a big surprise, and this is my first trip to Taiwan, and, you know, this has become my best memory. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool, you're right. I mean, usually you can't uh, even book an appointment with her, right? <laughs> no way. <laughs> no way. Right. So they got pretty lucky, although they were in her turf, right? Right. <laughs> so. But that's pretty cool. Uh, it's kind of like our national drink, so mm-hmm. I think we like to ask people if they tried it before. We're pretty proud of that drink. Do you like the drink, um, you guys? Do you guys drink it often? Um, not that often. Not uh, me, It's I high guess. in calories. Right. And sugar and a lot of things. Yeah. It's going to be too sweet for I you. I tried to drink a, uh, a what, toned down version, like green tea with oh. no sugar and uh-huh. just the 
boba. I think I'll try that again. But taste- there's still sugar in there. So actually, if you want to be sugarless, it's impossible. Mm. The sugar with the like the the boba, yeah, tapioca sauce. But it's a little bit more refreshing than the uh, milky version. So, do they sell this in China? They must, right? Yeah, um, I've oh. had it before. I even immigrated to Canada, so that was like close to two de- two decades ago. Yeah. So it's a it's a pretty it's not as popular because there's a I think a bigger variety of snack drinks you have in China, mm-hmm. um, but yeah I've definitely tasted that before. Yeah. You know. Anyways, it's become a pretty much our national drink here in Taiwan. Okay, Taiwan is pretty proud of a swimmer that uh, did something special recently. Wang Guanhong, he won a silver medal at the U.S. Open Swimming Championships this past weekend. He finished second in the men's 200-meter butterfly competition. 17 years old, he's from Jianguo High School, the top high school here in Taiwan mm-hmm. as well. It's, it's not easy. He can swim and also be a good student. I don't know how he manages that. Yeah, that's a lot of talent. Yeah. So you guys guess how fast he swum? 200 meters? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to like remember what's the ballpark for a world record. Um, so it, would that be like a 35 seconds, something like that? Well, it's actually one minute 55.82. So what was interesting was that the gold medal was just a tiny bit faster. It's like, yeah, it's like one fifth of a second. One know? fifth. Yeah. yeah one the, fifth of a second. <laughs> in, in, in those like... It's as like far a as split I know, hair, right? yeah, you really are splitting hairs between like first, second, and third. It's like dashing, except like sprinting, except for in in, in the water. They are so close together. Those are those. And are that f- person, you know, did a, a record right. breaking time actually. And so it's really amazing because I guess America is pretty strong when it comes to swimming. Yeah, yes. one of the best. Yeah. So um, that was American Luca Orlando. Anyway. Um, so Wong is doing quite well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's going to the Olympics in uh, Tokyo, and and he's going to be competing in the butterfly event. So um, we definitely have to keep our eye on this guy. Huh? Yeah, best of luck. I mean, he's got uh, a, a great career ahead of him. He's right. 17. He's 17. He's also a graduate of the top high school, top boys high school here, which is very hard to get into. Yeah. You have to do very well on their test. And so. Yeah, considering the fact that most swimmers, I think, hit their peak in their like early to mid uh, 20th ah. so this guy i'm thinking like he's got at least one more olympic ahead of him if he you know qualifies in, in the next four years so cool. so good for him. very exciting yeah lots of athletes to watch we'll be telling you more about them on the way to the olympics listen are you listening <laughs> this is the sound of my country this is the sound of taiwan <laughs> Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. Okay, we had an interesting display on our tallest building here, the Taipei 101. Tell us about that, Jake. Right. Um, if anyone happens to walk by uh, the Taipei 101 today uh, or tomorrow, you might catch a, 
What's going on is a uh, three-day display put on uh, uh, as a joint effort by the management office as the tallest building here in Taiwan and the science ministry. Uh, what happens is this year, in, in fact, uh, December 10th, is the 150th anniversary of a very important invention, the periodic table. The table that gives everybody, myself included, a lot of headaches in uh, chemistry classes in high school. Uh, well, we had to memorize that, right? right? I remember that, yes. I mean, I remember that I had to memorize uh, that. Yeah, I, I don't remember, I remember anything that. anymore. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, so you got to remember all the details. But it is the foundation of, of modern uh, chemistry, as a lot of people uh, put it. So, yeah, it's, uh, believe it or not, it's 150 years since... Um, I'm trying to get his name right. Mr. Dmitry Mendeleev, uh, a Russian chemist, uh, first... Uh, sort of put together all the elements that that were to be the foundation of the table. Wow, an amazing feat! Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's quite a guy. So if you walk by, you see the face of the Russian scientist displayed on the side of the Taipei 101, and then on top of that, you also see the Chinese name of a element called Mendelevium. And the reason that one is displayed is because because each chemical element has what we call an atomic number. This one has the atomic number of one hundred one. Ah, the name of the building. Oh, yeah. Okay. So pretty pretty interesting stuff. The science ministry has uh, held a press conference inside the building. Officials came out and, and sort of explained the reason to put on this mini display. They also play a, a short movie on the side of the building periodically. Wow! Is to promote science education to a, a, a vast audience and uh, sustainability in the long run. So pretty interesting uh, initiative, interesting way to do that. That's great. Yeah. I mean, everyone, not everyone passes by, but a lot of people can see it, right? Oh, yeah, from if a they distance. they live in Taipei, and they yeah. may be curious what's going on over there. Most definitely. So I think it's nice that they're using it for educational purposes. Right? Yeah, I think this is probably the first time they do it for educational purposes right. that I can remember. I don't so. remember any science display. Yeah, so good ever. for them. Usually yeah. it's commercials, right, for and from brands festivals i think yeah, yeah. and then uh, uh new year's eve there's some kind of a uh, slogan right like yeah. they had up yeah taiwan up once <laughs> which is a controversial <laughs> slogan i remember some said it wasn't grammatically correct but <laughs> it was positive <laughs> taiwan is a place full of voices viewpoints and stories hear them all here on radio taiwan international taiwan straight from the source know we have another plastic band coming up oh is it still on the straws or is it on something else it's on something else so at the beginning of the year um we're, i mean it's pretty cool we've been trying to reduce the use of plastic so we started with plastic bags and then um this year we did plastic straws and next year we're going to be banning single-use tableware at restaurants and food courts in shopping centers. So it's starting just in 10 municipalities, but the major ones. And this will be, um, you know, relevant to all department stores and malls. And this includes cups, bowls, plates, dishes, lunch boxes, chopsticks, spoons, forks, and stirring sticks. That's a pretty broad... Yeah, reduce plastic containers a lot. Right, because whenever you go to the mall, everything you use... Well, not everything, a lot of it could be... It's single-use stuff, right? Right. The containers? Right. Uh, uh, Yeah, so 
So that's going to be the beginning of next year that they're going to put yeah, it in Yeah, January 1st. Um, what's the uh, solution that they uh, um, that the restaurant is going to come up with? I'm, I'm curious. So, well, I guess we'll have to find out, right? I mean, I would think that they would be using regular dishes. Okay. You know, things that you can wash. Okay. Yeah, I think one concern that uh, earlier on this year when uh, the, the ban on plastic straws and everything plastic was going on is that the ban that is a great initiative, but part of the pushback, if I remember correctly, had to do with something like this. Because to uh, use now reusable containers and, and other stuff that used to be single-use in plastic, uh, like the use of water and electricity and the whole cost will go up by a bit. And some might concern that that might drive up the cost of, you know, things that you buy in, in relation to that. Oh, so, I mean washing dishes, things yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot quite a bit more expensive to wash them and reuse them than to buy single use stuff. Mm. Well, it's, yeah. it's a different cost, I think. I yeah. mean, the cost of plastic is also a big cost for the high. environment, right? Yeah. Have you guys like stopped using straws? Have you changed some of your habits since? Because it started in July, and it's not even island wide. It's in um, four sectors. It's in schools, fast food chains, government buildings, government buildings, and shopping centers. So right. we can still get them. Like at convenience stores, if you want a straw, you can still get it. But yeah. I haven't used straw for a long time. I think you haven't used straws for a long time. Yeah. Is it because of um, uh, you know this environmental awareness we have? I guess so. Yeah. I I feel guilty. I feel bad using a straw now. Even oh, though I mean right. I used to use them because they're more convenient than like mm. it depends on what the what you're drinking from. If you're drinking from a, like a carton, it just mm-hmm. seems not as uh, nice, elegant, you know. To to do it without <laughs> yeah. a straw in there. Yeah. It depends what you're drinking from. How about you guys? Have you changed your habits? Jake? Um, I I sort of follow whatever st- the, sort of the regulations of whatever store I go to. So I noticed that uh, McDonald's and KMC, uh, even without asking, they've phased out of straws. So right now, all their drinks are wrapped in a, in a different sort of uh, a cup with a different lid that you have to drink out of, like a like a normal glass. So I just go with that. But occasionally, when I buy drinks from a from a snack store, they still give you uh, the straw. And I'm probably guilty in saying that I haven't turned down any. So, <laughs> yeah, since they give it to me, I'm not going to, you know, say no. So I've been given some paper straws. Yes, there's that have too. You? I yeah, noticed so yeah, a couple of times. People have started, I mean, establishments like coffee houses have started using different types of um, straws. Okay. Anyways, I think that people in Taiwan are becoming much more conscious of the use of plastic. It's a good initiative for sure. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of even convenience stores, they're cutting down on their use of plastic and wrapping. They're they're taking their own initiative. Yeah. And McDonald's, they have a special cup. It's kind of like a coffee cup, like a latte cup uh, lid. So you don't need a straw. It has a way to sip the drink. I mean, I think people survived without straws before they were invented. <laughs> yeah, I think the last barrier will be one of the topics you had earlier, which is bubble tea. Oh, that's true. I, I'd be curious to see how people sort of, you know. Oh, you know what? There's a special cup. Come up with that that's, solution. Um, but it probably uses more plastic, though, because there's a container on the top to hold the tapioca pearls. Yes, I saw oh. that. Have you seen that? So it's separated. So when you tip the cup to sip it then you get some the pearls and the tea at the same time yeah that kind of feels like a a a solution to a problem because like you said it's a lot more complicated and it uses considerably more plastic or whatever material that's inside to 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 build it that way so So, yeah i wonder if that's really making things better solution anyway taiwan is working step by step trying to decrease the use of plastic and and single-use materials Naroa, Naroa, Naroa.
The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. ever had a bento box, a lunch box, on the railway here in Taiwan? On the railway, of course. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, they're extremely famous, right? Mm -hmm. What do you guys think of them? It's pretty good. Also, it's relatively inexpensive. Yeah. yeah it's they, affordable. They go for like two US dollars, or some of them are four US dollars. And they have, how would you describe them, Paula? It. I think it has it contains one egg, some vegetables, and also pork chop. Yeah. yeah, well, pork chop is the most popular right. one. Yes. They also have chicken legs. Mm -hmm. And, well, anyways, they've made the news recently because they're going to be available on airplanes. Oh, that's kind of exciting. Mm. If you like those. I mean, a lot of people like these. Yeah. I don't know why. I mean, I mean, they're pretty good. I guess because they're very basic and a good deal, right? And they taste pretty good. It's like very earthly, everyday food. that It's you can... like a staple of Taiwan food, right? Yeah. Like vegetables and the braised, it's usually braised, right? Braised meat mm -hmm. and braised egg and then rice. I wonder what it's going to feel, though, to, to have that That's on an airplane. <laughs> because I think part of the charm of, of having uh, bento boxes on a train and why they're so popular is that Riding a train is a very sort of relatable everyday thing that people can do, right? That's true. It's not business-like or classy. In it's a, in close a, to the earth. It's down to earth. Yeah, in a traditional sense. So it feels right to eat it, and that's why I've done it many times. I wonder what it feels like to... Eat it in the air? Yeah, especially for those in the first class, you know? Yeah. Well, because bento boss, they give you a sense of nostalgia. Yes. That's true. Right. They I become agree. a part of, um, you know, Taiwan, memories from Taiwan. So... You can eat your last, you know, a bit of Taiwan food before you leave Taiwan, right? Yeah. <laughs> or while you're coming back to Taiwan. So Either a lot way. of people who leave Taiwan, they miss the food. That's like probably one of the major things they miss. Do you guys miss the food when you're gone on vacation? No, not necessarily. Well, you really. go to China because there's I a usually, lot of good food over there, I'm right? for only two or three weeks. So, okay. yeah. If you go to a Western country, you might mm. miss the food. Like mm. my husband's Taiwanese. And he really misses Taiwanese food. When oh, he can't stand yeah, going like away for too long? Yeah, even when he's in the U.S. or Europe, he really misses Taiwanese food. Oh, cool. So anyways, so a little bit of Taiwan food in the air. That's what's coming up. And uh, that's it for here in Taiwan. Thanks for tuning in. And do stay tuned for Ear to the Ground and Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. For here in Taiwan, I am Natalie So. I'm Jake Chen. And I'm Paula Chow. We will see you next time.
The ancient Jordanian city of Petra is easily one of the most stunning archaeological sites in the whole world. Back in the 6th century BC, the Nabataeans made it their capital city. They carved tomb after magnificent tomb in the rose-colored cliffs. So magnificent is the site that it became the backdrop for numerous films, including Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, I bring you on a sound journey to the ancient city of Petra. Before we make it to Petra, I want to share with you a song I recorded in the Jordanian city of Jerash. There, in the ruins of an old Greco-Roman theater, we were greeted by a band of Jordanian men decked out in long Arab tunics and the red and white checkered headgear that is commonly worn in Jordan. And their instruments? Well, they should sound familiar, but if you're like me, you probably had no idea that those instruments originated in the Middle East. Have a listen. That's right, they're bagpipes. I always thought it was a Scottish thing, but today they're still played all over the Middle East. Now on to Petra. The journey into this ancient city begins along the Sikh, a cavernous trail that was a sacred path between life and death. The Nabataeans were big traders who came with treasures from Oman and Yemen. They would go on to create a huge empire and trade tar from the Dead Sea with the Egyptians, who used it for mummification. The Nabataeans later vacated the city. They moved their capital to Syria. And then the Romans came to Petra, and then the Muslims, and then the Crusaders, and then the Muslims came again, and then the Ayubites, and then the Mamluks, and then from 1300 to 1800, it was only known by the Bedouins, who would not allow people to come because they thought there was buried treasure there. Today, the real treasure is the beautiful caverns, and the tombs and other buildings cut into the colorful sandstone cliffs. As we approach a particularly dark and narrow passage, our guide warns us to stand off to one side to make way for the horse carts that come through at breakneck speed. But once they pass, he tells us to take three steps forward and turn to the right. And there before us, visible through a crack in the cavern, is the treasury the iconic building that was used in the Indiana Jones movie. In Arabic, it's known as Al-Khazne, and it's the crowning glory of the site that UNESCO has described as one of the most precious cultural properties of man's cultural heritage. Later on, after lunch, we're each led to a camel, or a desert taxi as their Bedouin masters call them. It's a heart-lurching tilt-forward and backward as the camel stands up and sits back down from mount and dismount. The ride itself, though, even though it's pretty high up, it's a lot smoother than I thought it would be. There's a little post on the saddle that I hold on to so I don't fall off while I'm recording a video. All right, this is a view from a camel. That's my camel there. That's somebody else's camel. And uh, this is me. Hi. Hi, Mom. Hi. Hope I'm getting that in there. All right, there we go. Several more shaky videos and at least three dozen lopsided photos later, we arrive at our destination. 
At nightfall, we board a bus and head to a banquet at a place called Little Petra. Tents have been set up in the black ink darkness of night, facing a brilliantly lit building carved into the sandstone cliff. Tables are filled with plate after plate of traditional Jordanian food, and as the evening draws to a close, a group of men with curved swords guides us in rousing song and dance, an exhilarating way to cap off our journey to Petra. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. Explore the beauty of Chinese and Taiwanese traditional music on jade bells and bamboo pipes. Hello and welcome to this week's Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. I'm Carlson Wong, and on today's show, we'll feature contemporary music for Erhu with the Erhu performer Wang Yingjie with the accordion Fanny Visong. Jennifer Heimer is the pianist, and Christelle Seri is the guitarist. And now sit back, relax, and let's listen to the first piece by Tian Lei Lei. This is the Discourse of a Lost Tear, 2012. Thank you. 
The Discourse of a Lost Year, 2012, was composed by Tian Leili, who was born in China in 1971. She studied composition at Central Conservatory of Music in Beijing, and Tian Leili is the winner of several prestigious international awards. And her compositions have been widely performed and well received internationally. That we bring to you today is a long piece, around ten to fifteen minutes long. So we have to cut it short, so we'll be able to play more pieces for you. And that was the discourse of a lost tear, 2012, by Tian Lei Lei, a famous musician from Beijing, China. And next, we'll listen to a work by a Taiwanese musician, Runes for Erhu, and two performers by Lin Weijie. Lin Weijie was born in Central Taiwan, Taichung, in 1982, and he studied with Wu Tinglian and Milton Babbitt. He's received commissions from a number of music groups at home and abroad, including National Taiwan Symphony Orchestra and other orchestras in Canada, Switzerland, Israel, Germany, Spain, Russia. Austria and so on and so forth. His works have been recognized with honorable mention at the 2011 Gadomor Music Prize, 2010 Literary and Artistic Creation Award of Taiwan Ministry of Education, and so on and so forth. And now let's listen to Wei Jielin's Runes for Erhu and two performers composed in 2017.
This is Radio Taiwan International. And again, you're listening to Jade Bells and Bamboo Pipes. I'm Carlson Nguyen. Today we feature contemporary music for Erhu with Wang Yingjie, along with other musicians, including Fanny Vinsong, Jennifer Heimer, and Crystal Seri. Wang Yingjie was born in Taiwan, and her music studies began in the Western classical tradition with piano, violin, and composition, and then she moved to traditional Chinese music and Erhu. Wang Yingjie has frequently been invited as a guest soloist and has performed with ensembles such as Regensburg Philharmonic Orchestra in Germany, Ensemble KNM in Berlin, and so on. Fanny Vincent is the accordion and is a leading international pianist and accordionist with recognitions by the Bang Popular Foundation and Yehule Menuhin's Live Music Now. Jennifer Heimer is trained as a pianist for classical and contemporary music at the University of California at Berkeley. And Crystal Seri is the guitarist and she began studying with Ako Ito and Henry Dorotny in Nice and then at Paris Conservatory with a first place in classical guitar and chamber music.
That was We for Erhu and Electronics by Liao Linyi. After graduating from the National Taiwan Normal University in Taiwan, Liao Linyi continued contemporary composition studies with famous musicians such as Yoshihisa Taira, Alan Gosin, and Philip LaRue. Her music comes from a perceptual phenomenon of synesthesia when light evokes the meditative practice of noble silence and profound breathing. This is eight Memoirsi for Erhu Accordion and Piano, produced in 2017 by Cheng Heng, who was born in Taipei in 1990. Cheng Heng continued his studies in Paris at the Regional Conservatory of Boulogne Billancourt, where he studied composition with famous musicians. And let's sit back, relax, and listen to eight Memoirsi for Erhu Accordion and Piano. have enjoyed listening to contemporary music for Erhu with the main performer Wang Yingjie. Thank you for listening for comments and suggestions. Please write to PO Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan and our email address is rti at rti.org.tw and again RTI is short for Radio Taiwan International and I do look forward to your comments and suggestions as they mean a lot to me in improving the quality of this program. I'm Carlson Wong. Once again, thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Take Goodbye.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.